0: Hello, hello, hello. I am your Juliana Huike, hostess with the mouse, this Michael Munoz. And welcome to In Yo Mouth. In
1: Yo Mouth.
0: I'm the queen of food who's always in the mood. To lick it right, lick it good. Show oh, you how to. Oh, oh God, that's good. I want to know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Yo Mouth. I got my goosebumps. <laughs>
1: Hey
0: there and welcome back, folks. Once again, I am your hostess with the most this Munoz. And how are you doing? Oh, my goodness. We are plowing away through March here. The weather is gorgeous. Uh, daylight saving time really messed my life up for a moment. But we are here. We are better. We are stronger. We are getting all the vitamin D here in New York City. And I couldn't be happier that spring is coming and soon it will be summer Um, yeah it's been quite a couple weeks with the news cycle and you know we don't want to really get into it here but hopefully out there you're getting some you know some good sunshine some vitamin d um, spreading some joy and taking times for a away from the news cycle and for yourself out there, eating good things, you know, eating delicious things. And that's about it. I am cutting it short, this intro short, Uh, this week because I am super, super excited to have this celebrity on with me today because she is surely a celebrity that I have been trying to get on the podcast for a little while now and I am super excited to have her here. So without further ado, please help me welcome the one, the only, Ileana Maisonet. Say hi! Hello!
1: Yeah, you. that was a short introduction? Wow, okay. How long can these go
0: oh oh my god i can ramble on <laughs> forever girl i can ramble on forever if you just let me talk uh, i'm a talker
1: <laughs> it's a good thing that you asked me about my last name because you know like there's only one way to pronounce my first name which is Eliana. even though for some reason i will literally pronounce it for people Eliana, and they will instantly repeat Eliana, and i'm like no like did you not just hear what i said i said Eliana, but our last name it is you know it's like a name from the colonizers mm-hmm. so it's french so you know they say Maisonnet, but the spanish say maisonet and then we're lazy so we just say Masonet. <laughs> so it really depends on where we are in the world when i was in paris they were like you know that's a french name i'm like yeah did you guys forget all the people that you colonized like okay <laughs> We're going. We're oh, okay. Iliana, like you're just going
0: to take us right there. Let's do it.
1: I mean, <laughs> let's dude. There's no way for me to talk about my last name without talking about that shit. I'm sorry.
0: Oh my god. I'm obsessed already and in your mouth listeners. You're just not ready. You're not ready for what's to come. But Iliana, before we get anywhere, I have to do what I do. And in the grand tradition of In Your Mouth, I need to wish you happy National Chips and Dip Day.
1: <laughs> really?
0: In Your Mouth listeners, I'm not kidding. I don't make this up. Listen. March,
1: I know you don't. Why March, is it National Day for almost everything now?
0: Yeah, March 23rd happens to be National Chips and, chips and uh, Dip
1: Day. Chips and dip
0: day, you know. You know, we as Puerto Rican, you know, sisters over here aren't. A, we're not a chips and dip nation.
1: No. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no, I can't think of one single dip other than you know, uh,
0: platanos and like mayo ketchup.
1: Yeah, that's like. Can that be considered and chips and dip? But I mean, what's the stuff? The mezcla is kind of like a dip that they turn into. Sandwich paste, you know the spam and mayonnaise and pimento yeah. whipped thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes when they have leftovers, they use that as a dip.
0: I mean, it's it's delicious.
1: No, it's not. It's horrible. It's it's like. Processed cheese and processed meat. What's not <laughs> delicious about it? <laughs> it's literally whipped for you. It's whipped for your pleasure.
0: Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Now here's a grand debate, right? But really quickly, are we are we a Tostitos hint of lime gal, or do we not like the hint of lime? I hear. I feel like that's a, a debatable chip.
1: Um, I do like the Toastedos hints of lime. I especially like it with like um, mariscos, like ceviche and stuff.
0: Oh, delicious!
1: Yeah, yeah I love of it. Of course, that. you
0: took us to someplace fabulous.
1: <laughs> well, you know, California when the West was stolen from Mexico. I mean, you know, that's like there are trucks that serve ceviche mariscos. Like. Oh
0: my God! There is a place here in New York City called Los Tacos Numero Uno. Um, delicious, they are Californian they came from California here oh, okay. and they serve like aguachiles and mariscos mm. and, and things like that de-scrumptious yeah. De see,
1: see? Yeah. yep
0: you know now uh, last question, can a tortilla be considered a chip or is a tortilla a chip and potatoes are the actual OG chip or are we just blanket statementing here
1: well, tortillas aren't chips until you fry them, though, right? Until you Not, them. Neither
0: like, are potatoes.
1: Chi- oh. <laughs> oh my God. I never thought about that.
0: Mind blown. <laughs>
1: well, what can, there, nothing is a chip until it is cut into a chip formation and then fried or baked, right?
0: Um, I guess. So that uh, by your logic, like anything could be a chip.
1: Well, there are lots of different chips, like sweet potatoes and yucca chips and mm, yeah. those uh,
0: Can pork rinds be a chip then? How far um, are
1: we bouncing this
0: ball? Is, what a, hot, call- is a hot dog a sandwich? That's is so ice weird. cream soup?
1: But wait a minute, what do they <laughs> call chicharrones then? What do they call pork rinds? Do they don't call rinds. them chips? No. Oh. But they're in the <laughs> chip section. <laughs> they're in the chip section
0: though. We're going to leave you with that in your mouth, listeners, because no matter what you celebrate, whether it's a sweet potato chip, a potato chip, a tortilla chip, or the chip off the block, I don't know, we celebrate you on this day. And moving right along to this day in gay history, once again, we are shouting out our Ukrainian LGBTQ plus brothers and sisters who are on the ground fighting for their freedom and their country, as well as, Iliana. did you know that in 1988, Israel legalizes homosexual acts between consenting adults? 1988. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, factoids. We like to provide factoids and keep the children in the know on this podcast but moving right along in your mouth listeners, if you didn't know and you probably already do, Iliana MySonet is the first hear me now the first Puerto Rican food columnist in the country. Her new cookbook, Diasporican, includes over 90 delicious, deeply personal recipes that tell the story of Puerto Rico's stateside diaspora. Her work has been featured in Bon Appetit, Food and Wine, Savor, Eating Well, Food 52, SF Chronicle, Delish, The Takeaway Podcast, and now, In Your Mouth, hello. <laughs> Ileana spent years documenting her family's Puerto Rican recipes and preserving the island's disappearing foodways through rigorous, often bilingual research. Diasporican is a visual record of Puerto Rican food, Puerto Rico and California in which Ileana traces The islands flavor traditions to the Taino, Spanish, African, and even United States cultures that created it. These dishes, shaped by geography, immigration, and colonization, reflect the ingenuity and diversity of their people. Filled with travel and food photography, Diasporican reveals how food connects us to family, history, conflict, and migration. My favorite part of your bio, Ileana, is she has been hailed by Michael Twitty as the beard all the gays need.
1: Did he say that? He sure as hell did. He was a maniac. (laughs)
0: Listen, for as much as I I have the entire LGBT food community on here. We need our allies with us, honey, right? Especially especially folks like you, honey, right? Um, And my favorite part of this is that uh, Michael Twitty, in your mouth listeners, Michael Twitty slid into my my phone messages the other day and he was like, you need to have her on your podcast tomorrow. Unbeknownst to him, I was already in talks with you, right? For quite some time.
1: unbeknownst to him you had ghosted me and it wasn't until he got on your ass that you came around back the way (laughs) and said oh i forgot about you hey let's do this i didn't forget i'm a busy
0: woman i'm trying to have my own career too well you can't have it all okay
1: we've learned that already
0: i'm dead i am absolutely dead
1: (laughs) He hit me no, up too, and I'm like, I'm like, he was supposed to have me on already. And he's, like, I know, oh, but facts are fa- worry, Listen, facts. facts
0: are facts. America, we can. I have the receipts. We can go way back, but even before Michael Twitty, when I reached out, right? It's been years now, probably. So, so, yeah. but you know what? I always say, uh, my guests come on. It's always kismet, the spirit of the ancestors, whatever you want to call it, that my guests show up at the right time for the both of us to meet um which is super super special. And I want to start in a place um because you know, I highlight a lot of the LGBT food community here and I wanted to start and you're the perfect person to start with this uh start this with um the the cultural aspect the the latino aspect because as as somebody who um is part is largely part of diaspora culture, being a New mm. Yorkan myself. You mm. know, it's a big piece of me that I try to talk about here on the pod, but never never with anybody as as knowledgeable, as deep in it as you are, right? Mm. And starting mm. starting from a place of being the first Puerto Rican food columnist, what what has that journey been like?
1: Um, you know, I don't I didn't know that I was the first Puerto Rican food columnist until after I started my column. There isn't like a whole there isn't a whole lot written about Puerto Rican food because I don't think that either people don't understand it or because there just isn't a lot of attention on it. You know what I mean? Like so to get to what well, do you think do you think
0: uh, let me interrupt you for a second. Mm-hmm. Um do you think it's, there's not a lot of attention on it because like a lot of – like certain cultural foods, right, mm-hmm. takeout foods for that matter, you know, it's considered less than lowbrow cheap? Is that the reason?
1: No, because there's not even an opportunity for them to find out that the food is cheap because they don't know anything about it. I mean, think about it. There, I wrote an article. I was still a columnist about why there aren't any Puerto Rican – there are not that many Puerto Rican restaurants. So there's not really an opportunity for them to even go and try the food, you know? Yeah. Unless, you know, they go on a cruise, which most of them do. That's like their first contact with Puerto Rico is on, you know, the ship cruises. And then they get there. But even then, they're kind of, uh, you know, corralled around by guides and people whose best interest is to have them go to places where they get kind of like a kickback. And those places aren't always necessarily good. There's still a lot of really not so great, I'm not gonna say mm, not so great places to eat in Old San Juan, which is the only is Port is the only place that they get to visit when they're in Puerto Rico. Yeah.
0: And nobody wants to go to Senor Frogs.
1: No, I don't think there is wait, is one in Puerto Rico? <laughs> I'm trying to
0: think. I don't know, but I was I have been on a cruise that port that stopped in Old San Juan, the port. But uh-huh. On that cruise, we were never allowed off the boat that long. So, like, the only place to go was Senor Frogs in every port, you know?
1: You get like a limited amount of time that you have to be back to the ship, right? Yep. Yeah.
0: So, continuing on this path of what it was like being the first Puerto Rican food columnist and discovering that and what that means, right? Uh, Continue down that road.
1: It was a little, it was kind of a hard sell at first but it was pretty well received. When I first started so many Puerto Ricans had reached out to me and said, you know, oh like we needed this for so long. A lot of them were very eager to help me too, but I think that's because they thought that they expected and they thought that something else was going to get delivered than what I ended up delivering, you know? Like they were all very Old-fashioned Puerto Ricans—they were very kind of the rigid Puerto Ricans, like oh, like Puerto Rican food has to be this way—and I wasn't really like that because, you know, you talk about you being a New Yorican. Well, I'm a Cali Rican. We're never gonna be like real Puerto Ricans to you know the Puerto Ricans of La Isla. That's just how it is. That, so it,
0: it, that's those are facts. Facts right, are facts. So America. We
1: have to kind of carve out our own identities as you know Cali Ricans, New Yorkans, Ricans, you know whatever the hell. And a lot of those Puerto Ricans that came to me were super excited at first because they thought that it was going to be something else and it didn't end up like that. So, you know, one older man reached out to me and he was so excited at first and he was like totally supportive and he was saying that he wanted for so long he was looking for like a Puerto Rican chef to back financially and open a restaurant and stuff. And that he thought that I was going to be like the chosen one. And I had a demo, like a chef's demo, at the Ferry Building in San Francisco. And he came, he attended. But the dish that I served was, like, so cerebral that he couldn't really comprehend it. And he ended up hating it. Even So at the demo, he started kind of, like, um, heckling me with his friend. Like, they came. And then once he saw that it was, like, something else that he didn't understand, him and his friend were, like, in the front row. And they were just, like... I was getting introduced and they were just talking super loud over the whole thing until the person that was introduced to me like went, hello, excuse me. And then they looked and she's like, you know, if you can't be polite and you can't be, you know, like observant or whatever, I'm going to ask you to leave. And he got up and left and he was like, you know, that's not Puerto Rican. Like on his way out, he said, that's not Puerto Rican. And it was like it ended up being the Khalifa shrimp dish that's in my book. And I said, Okay, but the dish is literally based on, like, historical accounts of things that were fed to Tainos and enslaved peoples, though. It's not exactly what it was, but its interpretation. It's funche, which is Puerto Rican. I said, is that Puerto Rican? And he said, yes. I said, well, is bacalao, you know, or bacalao vizcaina, is that Puerto Rican? And he said, yes. I said, okay, then. Then these two, they may not be together. I said, but these two combined, it's still, in essence, a Puerto Rican fucking dish. And because you might not have eaten funche growing up, that already tells me that you're probably well off. Because a lot of well off Puerto Ricans didn't want to be associated with eating funche because it was a poor man's dish.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That you think because I'm doing this, that it's not Puerto Rican, but it is. You're just too blind to see that. You're too stuck in your old ways. You don't want to see anything evolved
0: yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and that's what it was I mean, like being a Puerto Rican food columnist in the beginning oh, I mean where does it come from Where, do, and
0: I ask where it comes from kind of in a larger sense and I'm sure you and I could be here for eight hours which we're not going to be but even even in I'm sure you get this too even navigating my normal life through this city whether I'm Waiting tables at any given point, or or meet somebody that's you know ultra Puerto Rican. It's it's never it's never good enough. It's never Puerto no. Rican enough. It's no. never it's it's just never right. No, and I mean I've gotten comments being like, oh, we're practicing our Spanish today, and I'm like, no, actually, <laughs> this is what this is how it is, and so on and so forth. And I'm sorry that I grew up here, right? right and went to right, school.
1: Right. Like, what? Exactly. Like, where does it come from and why? You know our people are catty as fuck. Let's be real about that. They I mean, love there's, the bo- a, there's one way They to live be- for <laughs> the bochinche. Uh,
0: uh, I live for the bochinche.
1: <laughs> they live for the drama. They live for the theatrics. They, li- that, they call it, it, storytellers. We had to create a new word for them because in hindsight they're really just kind of like, you know, blowing shit up. Like bro, you're lying, but we had to call them storytellers cuz we couldn't call them liars. I mean,
0: <laughs> it sounds all all very similar to everything that I am. Yet
1: I'm not I'm yes. not as I'm not as hateful. <laughs> <laughs> it's everything that I am too. It's like, you know, for all of the things that they are they are all of those things, but then and when you go there I feel like, you know, unless you kind of have a community there, you mostly kind of, you're on the receiving end of all the things that I talk about, which are all, I mean, they can be seen as negative. I mean, I personally don't see being catty or living for chisme as being a negative thing, you know, I don't, because that's a part of me. But you really have to have like a community there or a family there, whether it's, you know, your biological family or the family that you eventually make along the way in your life. To see all of the other positive aspects of what you know Puerto Ricans are too, loving, generous, you know, willing to give you the back, the shirts off their back, you know, all of those things.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's two sides of the co- it's two sides of a coin here, you know, in loving the culture and trying to relate to the culture, not growing up deep in it and trying to, you know have it be part of your life, and our journey is
1: obviously very different, but... But what do you consider deep into it, though? Like, is your... Are your mom and dad Puerto Rican? They
0: are, except for my mom was born here, and my dad was born there.
1: Okay, and, like, did you at any point, like, have a grandparent that lived with you, though, that was also from there? Okay, so I don't see how that's not deep in it. Like, you're surrounded by the shit. Yes, uh,
0: but... Yeah, it's it's a fucked up mindset. What it's do you a,
1: consider deep in it? Did not live there? In,
0: yes, in the sense of uh, you know what? A way to point this out. Never realized it or maybe I did and now I'm just vocalizing it. But in the sense of calling it deep in it and feeling not deep in it because it's it's the island Puerto Ricans, you know, and those certain people, not everybody, making you feel like you're not good enough, right? Or you're mm. not you're not ingrained enough or you're not Whatever enough. Right. Makes sense? Yeah. You know, and then growing up, growing up gay and not knowing what that meant, because God forbid we talk about anything, right? In in yes. <laughs> within the culture, right? Or or serious things and not knowing what it meant, right? Being different in general was a big negative for me so i was like i'm not gonna i don't want to be different i don't want to be puerto rican i don't want to be gay i don't want to be anything i just mm-hmm. like everybody leave me alone you know mm-hmm. and so i said no to everything so so that's what i mean about being like deep in it you know what i mean
1: hmm. what exactly are the things that you said no to can i have an example yeah
0: uh salsa dancing absolutely not
1: I will Absolutely. not salsa dance on TV. It is in my writer. I have talked to you. No.
2: <laughs>
1: I've never I had a chance not, to do salsa dance I will not on come TV. Out. If they fucking play ding 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 I walk out. <laughs> Don't ever bring me into anything with that shit playing and expect me to be like, wepa! Like, there are two social media influencers that are Puerto Rican that have huge platforms. Huge. That's their thing. They do that. God bless them. Whatever. That ain't me.
0: Yeah, salsa dancing for a while. I refused to speak Spanish. You know. Oh, you it all
1: out. Oh
0: well, listen. Gr- like, just growing up and not knowing what's going on, and you're in with your, in within yourself, you know, and then being highly bullied, on the other end of it, and having parents that don't understand that. Like, you you shut down, and different is. Different is no good, you know. Different, mm-hmm. different meant bad.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Until I realized that I I messed up in in protecting myself. It was a mistake to to like shy away from all these differences that make make me beautiful. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So so that's that's that. And I, I don't even remember what the original question was. <laughs> or where it was going. <laughs>
1: We're talking we about. You're talking you know, about being deep within it.
0: Yeah, I don't even. I I don't remember where I was going, but that, but that's okay. We go off the rails here all the time, and that is the magic of in your mouth. You know, um, I kind of want to start with, or not start. I kind of want to move to a place of your love of food and where that came from. Tell me about that.
1: Are you looking at this right now? I have yeah. a face built for radio, a body built for radio. Yeah. <laughs> I have always, there's a reason people will say, you know, my username is I eat right? And a lot of people will say like, oh, like you shouldn't use that. Like, oh, like, you know, you're kind of being negative against yourself and whatever, whatever, whatever. But the term literally comes from my grandma, right? Like every time I would go to her house, she would just like get up and disappear into the kitchen, you know, and then she'd be like, food would be done in like 20 minutes, like a whole three course meal done in 20 minutes. And then she would be like, come, mija, come, come, gorda, gorda you know, come. That's what she called me. It was gorda. So that's literally what eat gorda, eat comes from. It's just from what my grandma used to tell me all the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So the- And she was always in the kitchen. Like, I don't really I have very few memories of her not outside her kitchen.
0: And is that what inspired this? um This, totally. cu- this culinary journey for you? Totally. And then going to school and yep. and the whole trajectory.
1: Because even when I was in culinary school, which was I enrolled in two thousand and nine, I knew very quickly that there was no way that I was gonna live my life as a chef. I was like, oh hell no. Nope. No. This is not going down. Cause you know, they make you do externships and you have to work on the on-campus restaurant. And I was already I had a couple of friends that were already working in restaurants, and my first gig was at an old spaghetti factory here. And I was like, no fucking way, dude. This is not happening. But what I did want to grad, what I did want to major in was in English. So I put the two together and I was like, okay, food writing, that's what I'm going to do. So any little like writing, I mean, they barely gave us any like writing, you know, um, things to do there. Any little writing thing they gave us to do, I would like just totally go all out, you know, to like try to impress them, like in our marketing class and, you know, publicity classes and stuff like that that they gave us, food marketing and shit. And I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And I just never looked back. Yeah. What was your first job
0: then? What was your first writing my job?
1: First, Oh, my first writing job? Yeah. Wasn't until maybe like 2016 maybe? I already had a job working with Broke-Ass Stewart in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. It was like this uh, entertainment personality in San Francisco. And I started writing with them maybe like in, man, maybe like 2008, maybe before that. I can't really remember. But then I worked there for so long, ended up working there for like six years. I became a writer and then I became an editor and then I became their social media manager. So I was doing that for way before I went to culinary school. And Incredible. that's where I kind of just practiced my writing. There. Like, all my writing for Broke-Ass Stewart is, is terrible. It's awful grammar. It is just horrible. But it just allowed me to kind of, like, get it all out there, you know, where I would just write whatever the hell I wanted, kind of. Yeah. And then I my first ever writing, professional writing, was with Lucky Peach.
2: Okay. Which is
1: R.I.P. That's not around anymore. And that was, like... You know, a culinary student's cult classic wet dream.
0: Yeah, I I, I don't know it.
1: Lucky Peach was like the antithesis to like Gourmet Magazine. Like Gourmet Magazine was like for a specific type of person. Food Network was around and that was for a specific type of person. And then Lucky Peach was like that counterculture shit. So anybody who like was obsessed with Anthony Bourdain, who helped get Lucky Peach off the ground, was going to be into Lucky Peach.
0: I see, I see. I've often been told I have a lucky peach, but I, I, I
1: never know why. <laughs> why. Why are you going there? No! No! <laughs> if no. You should have seen her face. <laughs> no! Here's the line and you have crossed it. <laughs> what? What did I say? <laughs>
0: god this is incredible and i i mean i knew i w- it would be but this is really really special but right now i want to take a quick break because your girl needs to make 30 cents literally three cents and place an ad right here and then i'm going to be back with my favorite part and the audience's favorite part of the podcast
2: delve into the shadows of the mind with sleeping dogs a gripping murder mystery
0: All right, Iliana, are you ready? Because I'm about to take you out to my favorite part and the audience's favorite part of the podcast, a little something we like to call Food News Update! Food News, honey, you ain't ready, girl! Spill the tea. News Update! There's something fishy about Kendall Jenner's tequila. A lawsuit alleges that Jenner's tequila brand is nothing more than a copycat. Oh, my God. <laughs> have you, are you a drinker? Uh, not really. Not I really. used to be. Okay. Have, have, have you heard of this 818 tequila?
1: How can you not when it has to deal with the kardashian it's impossible not to hear any of this shit. i
0: mean you do live in california so i didn't hear about it till new york wine and food festival this past like last year like what, mm-hmm. six months ago or whatever whenever it was i was uh, like what is this who
1: nothing that they do is original but it's not about who does it first it's about who marketed it better
0: right like
1: even their like makeup line, like didn't they get into trouble because the artwork that they used with the the makeup dripping off the lips was like done originally by like a German artist or some shit like that? I
0: I I am not a Kardashian stan. I'm more. Neither of a am ha- I. I'm, I'm a housewives queen, not a Kardashian queen.
1: <laughs> I'm not a Kardashians queen. I am a ponchiche queen. Whatever the bonchiche goes, I'm interested in hearing it. But briefly, just give me the rundown. Hurry up.
0: Well th- this is this is like food news bochinche. <laughs> That's what I should have said. Wait, I gotta go back and record. Food news bochinche. Oh goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyways, thank you to the takeout.com for this article. Um I mean what what's really to say about it. Um the Kardashians are being sued again, or the tequila brand I should say, is being sued again by Austin based brand tequila five one two because it's apparently a copycat, allegedly a copycat. And and that's what that's what it is. I think she also got in trouble for um for like appropriating appropriating the tequila and the brand, like not being Mexican and having a tequila brand and all of that, I feel like that was in the news too a while ago when this came out. I thought it would be interesting because of I
1: know, what you do. I know some people have tequila brands right now. They're not Mexican, though. Doesn't Guy Fieri have one? And Snoop Dogg? And I don't.
0: I don't know those. I don't. I don't know those uh, brands. But I feel like I would rather have a Snoop Dogg tequila brand than a Kylie Jenner one. <laughs>
1: Well, hers is called what's confusing is the people who are suing her allegedly are saying that their brand is called 512 and hers is called 818.
0: Yeah. And it's it's all about like the bottle shape and the branding um amounting to trademark infringement, trademark infringement, false designation of origin and unfair competition.
1: Well that already sounds super similar anyway the fact that they're numerical like Yeah, but
0: I mean Hello, Mr. 305. Like people use area codes for everything. Who's
1: that? That's um, you know, a pit bull. No, I don't know any pit bull songs. <laughs> I don't think so. is it he Puerto Rican? No, he Cuban? he's Cuban. He's Cuban? Oh. We do no, we are not a Pitbull stand. Sorry. <laughs> no. We are no. not a
0: Pitbull stand and we are not here for this. 818-Kardashian-Drama. No. The world's first molecular beverage printer claims to make thousands of drinks from iced coffee to wine. Would you drink a drink that was molecularly made?
1: I mean, technically, I have already. Yeah, I guess
0: if you're drinking soda, right?
1: Well, not that. Like you know, remember when molecular gastronomy like, was like a huge thing with like El Bulli and Jose Andres and
0: Oh yes, like you're you're talking about like foams and pearls and things
1: and just things that used to be one thing and turned to another. Like here's this, here is this uh, root beer powder. Poof.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs>
1: Poof. Thanks. Here's this. Here's this essence of uh, Paloma poof, they take the little thing off and it's just like this smoke and they're like, inhale the smoke, you got your cocktail. (laughs) Is that not the same thing? Kind of. You're not wrong. There's this this vodka tonic hand thing and you just want to rub it into your hands and then you're drunk, I guess? (laughs) These are little
0: things. Don't tell me you're a bruja uh, as well because I'm looking for one, right?
1: (laughs) I mean, aren't all Catholics a little bit though?
0: Um, maybe yeah a little bit i'm gonna say a little bit a, a little, little bit, bit a little bit of Hum. right just like a little bit of lexus yeah
1: apparently so
0: <laughs> i don't know
1: <laughs> the image of that just came into my mind a little bit of lexus
0: <laughs> a little bit
1: a little bit oh la, 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 la,
0: la. Uh, well i don't have the i don't have the money for the rights so we gotta stop <laughs> <laughs> is that a real thing right? What? Yes, that's a real thing. Seriously. And and it's also a real thing that I make about three cents per ad, so I certainly don't have the money for that. Oh my god. (laughs) Anywho, Canna One's team studied the molecular makeup of drinks to build a machine that can recreate almost any beverage. Is that not crazy? Any beverage. Any beverage, it's a countertop machine that is similar to a pod-based drink machine, but without the pods. Instead, Canna promises that the, a single Canna 1 ingredient cartridge can create hundreds of different beverages by pulling recipes from its universal ingredient set. That sounds kind of cool. It does sound cool. Um, I'm curious about like, how they put the fermentation for the alcohol in there, though. Like, how does it get you drunk?
1: So when they say drinks, they're talking about alcoholic and non-alcoholic drinks?
0: Anything you want. If it's drinkable, right? You got it. What? <laughs> I guess people are bored? or
1: I'm just like, how does that work? Like, do you have to add your own, like, booze into it? Do you, is it like McDonald's where you have to have the machine and it, like, pumps up to the syrup containers in the basement? No,
0: there's just this. There's a There's a cartridge. There's apparently a cartridge that, like... Does its thing. Canna's I'm team bassled. spent uh, Yeah, Canna's team spent three years studying, studying what we drink at the molecular level, commercializing breakthrough research in flavor and analytical chemistry, the company writes. Canna scientists identified and isolated the specific trace compounds that drive flavor and aroma for thousands of unique commercially available beverages. They created the world's first universal universal beverage ingredient set. Which recreates thousands of different drinks using a simplified set of ingredients that can be printed out of a long-lasting ingredient cartridge.
1: That is way too complicated for me to even apprehend.
0: Yeah, right? You want to guess how much it cost?
1: Uh, $3,000.
0: No. Well, uh, it's actually... More affordable than I thought. Right now, customers can reserve one of the machines with an upfront payment of $99, which will be applied to the final price, which is $4.99 for the first 10,000 orders, or $7.99 after that. The cartridges are replaced as needed, free of charge, but customers get this bullshit will pay per drink, depending on what they ask their can of One to make. Advertised prices are twenty nine cents for sparkling water, seventy nine cents for an iced tea, or and two ninety nine for a craft cocktail.
1: After so you already paid the seven ninety
0: nine. Yeah, after you bought the machine, it's kind of like buying the Peloton and oh, yeah, then yeah. having to pay for the classes. No,
1: nope. pass <laughs> next. <laughs>
0: No. Oh my god, thank you to Food and Wine for always keeping me up to date with uh, my food news even though you're still not a sponsor. Um yeah, I don't know if we're here for this at all, but it's a really cool idea, I do have to say. And last but not least, Iyana, Wyoming now has an app that lets residents claim roadkill.
1: I need more information. <laughs> claim roadkill? What? Yeah, the state passed
0: a law allowing residents to pick up and presumably eat animals struck by vehicles last spring.
1: (laughs) I mean, is it? it, I I actually don't necessarily think it's a bad idea. No, I'm not against them consuming roadkill. That's not what I'm against. I'm confused what the app does. So the app says, "Yo, there's some roadkill over here. Come get Yeah, there's like.
0: There's, like, a a deer over here by Route 80, you know, and Christopher Street. <laughs> come, and go, get it. come and get it.
1: Why'd you say it like that? <laughs> Why'd you say it like that? <laughs> that one did not go over my head. I heard that.
0: <laughs> I can't. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> Come and get it. Come and get it. So Wyoming Governor Mark Gordon signed a bill that lets the residents of the state uh, collect roadkill that they either hit with their own vehicles or find on the side of their road. There are some restrictions. They can't pick up bighorn sheep, grizzly bears, mountain goats, or some... migratory birds, and they have to take the entire carcass with them instead of standing on the shoulder, selecting prime cuts of meat. Thank you to whoever wrote this article, because you're very funny. Uh, deer, elk, moose, pronghorn are the spe- specific species that folks primarily have an interest in. Look at that. And now there's an app to to help you do that. <laughs> I mean, this is the news we need at this moment in time. Okay. <laughs> in your mouth, listeners, you should see her face. <laughs> All right. Final question for food news, Bochinche, over here. Um, if you had to eat roadkill, what would be your number one go to? Deer, venison. Yeah. Really, I'd be I'd, I'd be curious about some. Uh, what did they call it? Pronghorns. The hell is that? I don't know, but I'm uh, assuming it's some sort of like, you know, deer like moose like thing. A pronghorn. I want to try. Pr- I want to try
1: prong. Oop! I want to try. Pronghorns. You don't even know what it is. You just said. <laughs> you just wanted to say it looks pronghorns. Like- <laughs> <laughs> I I am here for
0: this. And with that, I think that's the best way to end. Food news, bo (laughs) P.S. A pronghorn is a species of the artiodactyl mammal indigenous uh, to the interior western and central North America. Look at that. It kind of looks like an elk or an antelope or... A deer with small horns. Hmm. Just so you know, just so you know, and your children know, Marjorie. <laughs> so <laughs> let's get to this book before before we close out. Actually, I hopped, I slid back into your DMs with uh with a fiery with a fiery bottom <clears throat> once you announced this book uh, was dropping, and I. I have been following you for a while, obviously, but I was really, really happy to see that someone, someone, right, and um, obviously, specifically you, took this and is running with it and is has created this thing that I think, I think we as a, a community. Um, Puerto Rican, and beyond. Just really, really need. So congratulations on the book. Thank you. Um, the cover is stunning, right? Because that's all I've seen. I can't wait for my copy. Thank y'all. And- <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but uh, tell us about the inspiration. Tell us about creating it. Give us... Give us, give us all the details.
1: Yeah, you're right. I did take it and run with it. I ran fast before they decided to change their mind. I got the hell out of there with that check. Like, thank you. Goodbye. Don't change your mind. Bye. Yeah. Um. I mean, you but know, it was a long journey.
0: It wasn't that's an what easy I was gonna journey. Say, you
1: know, you know how long it took me to get to this place. You know, like I some you someone finally picked it up and. I'm so thankful that that's someone who was 10 Speed Press, you know, because they were my first choice because they started out in Berkeley. And I mean, they're still centered in Berkeley, even though they're now owned by, um, you know, Penguin and Random House. But to me, 10 Speed will still be like, you know, a local press that, and they focus on local California, you know, chefs and writers. So I'm glad that they're my first choice, even though it took, you know, that long to get to them. Like it took me that long to get to them, but I got to the right people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Where did the, where did the inspiration for the, for the book come from?
1: Well, obviously the name Diasporican or Diasporican, depending on how you pronounce it, um, you know, it was about us. Like, it's about the people who, about the Puerto Ricans that live here. You know, like, we are, like, 5.5 million, I think, right now. We are more than the Puerto Ricans on the island. And no one is really telling our story because, you know, like I, we were talking about earlier, they don't think it's important, you know. Exactly. Um, the, it comes, to, you know, I didn't really get the idea to write a Puerto Rican cookbook until after my grandma. Well, she was still alive, but she was on her deathbed. I had another book, a little tiny cookbooklet. It was like 10 pages that me and my cuñado put together. And I remember showing it to her while she was inside the hospital. And that little book was like, it was supposed to serve as kind of like a little supplement to send to agents and stuff to get them, you know, excited about wanting to pick me up, um, you know, as talent. But of course that day didn't come until what, seven years later. So all the 10 recipes that were in that little book were all her recipes. You know, I finally sat down with her and, you know, because all of her recipes, they're, they're, they are recipes. They're all in her head, you know, and there's no measurements or anything like that. And, you know, that's why people are like, you know, oh, I try to cook it, you know, like my grandma, but, you know, I did everything she did and it didn't come out like that. So that's why I'm like, you know, we're going to sit in the kitchen together and I'm going to, you know, measure everything you do and watch everything and record everything. And all of that came out in that little booklet. And then she died like in 2015, like maybe like six months after the little booklet was like released. And then I've been spending the rest of my career basically trying to like preserve her memory.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. And
1: share it with the world.
0: That's incredible. Favorite recipe from the book?
1: Um, always. Arroz con gandules. I always make that for everybody.
0: Yeah. Um, You know what? You bring up a good point about, you know, family members, right? Puerto Rican family members or maybe even, you know, people from deeply culturally rooted, you know, families and having that matriarch, patriarch that like really cooks, that has that hand, right? Mm -hmm. That is not measured. And I was just saying to people, right? Because I always talk about my mother's cooking on this podcast, right? And for some reason, her white rice is my favorite thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> because Puerto Rican white rice is not just plain white rice that's yeah. why right it has yeah. a lot of flavor in it
0: there's so much flavor and like the grains you could pick up grain by grain and it's like meaty you know mm-hmm. for some reason without there being meat and right. um, and it's not the way I eat because you know the gay body dysmorphia of it all <laughs> Um, but I was just saying to my friends that I need to start getting on FaceTime and getting in that kitchen to preserve that you know because mm-hmm. there is yeah I can make it she could like say it to me over the phone but it's that like turn of the hand or it's that <laughs> folding motion or you know every time she asked me to fold the rice I would just you know stir it and she'd be like you're doing it wrong and you know you're <laughs> folding from the outside to the inside and right. and all of that you know and so yeah. so you bring up a very very good point of of having to sit there and and be part of the process because because it's it's that finesse it's that right. finesse that right that is missing you know when mm. when we as lay people or as right. as you know outsiders of the kitchen, you know, are trying to do these things, are doing these things. Favorite moment while creating it? You talk a lot about, uh, well, the reason I ask is because you've had a lot of stories recently as as you promote the book and whatnot about all these moments. Uh, you tell all these beautiful stories about all these moments, shooting and all these moments like cooking with your mom and like how the cover came to be and and whatnot so I figured maybe maybe you had like a really like special like highlight moment out of all of that
1: I mean not really necessarily like I think it's just like the whole thing because I got to spend so much time it was like an excuse to spend so much time with like you know my mom and my cuñada going across you know California and stuff and it really kind of gave me um not an, it gave me like an excuse to like finally go and meet with like a lot of the farmers around california that i've been wanting to do for a long time anyway and i could just be like you know oh like i'm writing a book and then they wouldn't be like wondering like what the hell is this person doing out here you know so and i mean it just happened to be around the same time that the pandemic hit too and people were like Freaking out as, like, you know, food shortages and stuff like that. But, you know, we just happen to be lucky enough to live in a part of California that just produces so much food for the rest of the country anyway. So, when there was like a rice shortage, you know, I could go to like a rice farmer. If there was like, you know, like if there was like a pork shortage, I can go to like the pork farmer. And the pork farmer ended up being a part of not just my cookbook, but they ended up being a large, just kind of, um, What do they call it when, like, you got like an artist, a supporter of the, a patron of the arts? Mm -hmm. You know, they were like, you know, giving me like whole hogs for, you know, my rap party, which was the recipe that was the hardest to create in the book was to tell people how to roast a whole hog. Like, I know what it should look like and I know the materials that you need, but I don't know how to articulate that shit. And, Trying to find other books that would kind of give me, like, an idea was impossible because there are – I couldn't find more than maybe one or two books that even had the process of roasting a whole hog on a spit. Because everybody does it in that kind of South Carolina way where they just butterfly the thing. Yeah. So, I mean – All those moments are just like, there's so many moments that are so fucking memorable to me and I can't really choose which one is more special than the other.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, If you had a demographic for the book, who would the book be for? You. Me. That's why Uh, you're talking to me. I mean, it's part of the reason why I'm talking to
1: you. (laughs) Ni (laughs) de aquí, ni de allá.
0: Absolutely. You know, it's just, I'm so excited for it. I can't, I, I literally can't wait for it. To uh, be in my hands and to uh, show it to the masses as well, because uh, the minute the minute you announced it is the minute I sent it to like my crew and and as diasporicans ourselves, and we have talked a lot about diaspora culture here on the podcast, but like you know, just within my friend group, you know, as well. Everyone's like, "This is amazing! This is amazing!" And so, it's it's a, it's a really exciting moment, and I'm I'm excited for you. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, there's a great debate that has happened on this podcast once about plantains and and whether people like uh, are we a sweet plantain or or the fried salty plantain person. <laughs> Because uh, there's been a couple of Puerto Ricans on the podcast that they were like, I hate to admit it, but no me gusta Maduros. <laughs> you <know? laughs> But it's like blasphemy.
1: <laughs> uh, okay. I think I'm going to go with probably savory more. It's not that I don't like Maduros. It's just that so few people know how to do them well.
0: Yeah, because they can come out a little mushy, greasy.
1: Right. Greasy. And sometimes not because of the way that bananas are gassed here or platanos are gassed here and bananas in this country. They may not get a chance to really ripen to their full uh, blossom. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So they fry them and they're just not as sweet as you know they can be. And it's like, okay, what is the point of this?
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Mm.
1: But our savory patanos, you know, we can just they we have savory in so many applications like mofongo and tostones and just boiled viandas to eat with bacalao and stuff, you know. So Yes.
0: I am not a bacalao fan. You you can y'all can keep that.
1: <laughs> not even bacalaitos?
0: Uh, maybe now in my you know what? My palate has changed in my forty-one years. I just remember I just remember the bathtub and the dripping faucet to defrost it, you know. The
1: bathtub.
0: Yes.
1: What is happening? How much are you guys defrosting over here? <laughs> I don't know. I just
0: remember These so are you things need a whole bathtub. Huh? Well, I mean it's just where it happened cuz other things were happening happening in the kitchen. We don't have space.
1: <laughs> is there a bucket in the bathtub at least? Yes, it's not like that. Okay. <laughs> There's a pot. <laughs> it's
0: not like I it's not like me at like eight years old is taking a, a bath with the bacalao.
1: <laughs> That's what I was envisioning. Oh. That was just a little photo of little you with like bacalao. You're just like <laughs> It's good for the pores, I guess.
0: Yeah. Hello. Why do you think this skin looks so good? (laughs) Okay. There's a,
1: okay. I need context, context. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay.
0: Oh my goodness. This has been so wonderful and I can't thank you enough. Tell the kids where to get the book first and foremost. And I'm obviously going to put it out in the liner notes. You can pre-order now.
1: Pre-sales are live right now everywhere books are sold. Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, Walmart, Target, your local bookstore, I don't know, but call them and find out.
0: That's right. Uh, Google is your best friend, and like I said, I will uh, link it out in the liner notes, and if we can support small bookstores, why not do that, right? But get—but I'm going to tell you now, and y'all you, you better listen to me. You need to get your hands on this book, right? Because it's going to be Epic for sure. It's not going to be. It is epic. Um, let the kids know where they can find you on the internet to see your wonderful rants.
1: Um, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Eat Gorda Eat.
0: Yes, and there is a there's a lot to see, y'all. There's a lot to see from. From beautiful stories and photos to much, much more, indeed. I can't thank you enough for coming on the pod with me today. This has been so special, and I hope this isn't the last time Thanks you for are here me. with me. You know, right? We've had we've had the spirit of Michael Twitty with us. Who wrote the forward for your book too?
1: He did. He did. He signed on to do that way before I even got the book deal.
0: Oh my goodness, I love him so much. Yes, like, he has been a. A, a magical spirit in the background for me for for quite, ever since we met so and
1: he didn't ask me he told me so
0: yes well so. that's i feel like that's the way he operates but in the best of all possible ways
1: mm-hmm. you know yep. and who, i was like okay who am okay. i to say no
0: no i was summoned i was <laughs> su- i i got called <laughs>
1: I was children so- come hither.
0: That it's exactly what happened. Uh, quick story in your mouth, listeners. Mike, uh, we can now talk about it. Michael Twitty has a masterclass out, and congratulations, mm-hmm. shout out to you, right? That you can go on, and he talks about food pathways, uh, African food pathways, and he does what he does beautifully. But he was in New York, and we kind of had like Instagrammed a little here and there, and he hit me up. He goes, "What are you doing? You need to meet me at this time." I dropped everything. Mm-hmm.
1: And Mm -hmm. it was the best
0: decision I ever made. Yeah. For sure. For sure. But once again, I can't thank you enough for giving me of your time, right? Coming here to laugh with me and tell your story and giving me a moment to celebrate you and this new book of yours. Um, It's been so, so wonderful. So thank you again. Thank you. Anytime in your mouth, listeners, go get the book, go get some sunshine. Um, I'm keeping it short today and that's all I have to say with the exception of thank you for listening to In Yo Mouth.